This is Transmission, a bilingual digital marketing podcast presented by Alphaco Marketing and Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to Transmission. Wanted to get started, let you know we're doing something a little bit different today. Our regular listeners will know that this is where I usually introduce Juan Pablo and start talking to Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo has been very blessed and just had his third daughter. So we are giving Juan Pablo the day off. The big topic for today is going to be keywords. We really want to drill into how do you find keywords? What are they for? What does that even mean? And how do we use those keywords to better attract our audience to us and ultimately grow our business? But first, I wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping, talk a little bit about some of what's gone on since we last spoke. Um, It has been a while. Again, we did take a little bit of a break here. First thing I want to talk about is just the holiday season. You know, I think it's always worth paying attention to how marketing changes this time of year. It is such a heavy season for, in particular, nostalgia. I think we see nostalgia everywhere when we're being marketed to nowadays, but the holiday season is really, really, really specific about loading you up with imagery from your past, imagery from your childhood, kind of leveraging your own memories against you and, and you know, using them to get you to, to buy things. I don't have a problem with that. I, I honestly, I think that it's it's really interesting and fun to see. It's actually one of my favorite parts about the holiday season is walking around and seeing, um, you know, retro Coke signs or old school iconography just displayed throughout, whether it's, you know, a shopping mall or local park, uh, everywhere you go, you're really kind of inundated with that this time of year. There's also a couple other things that I think are really interesting um, that people will do this time of year, which they'll really play on time sensitivity. You know, you almost never see a marketing or an an advertisement that doesn't have some element of buy now or do it soon. But the holidays really ratchet that up with, you need to get this this year. This is a treat for this year. You obviously have to do this before the holidays. Um, Black Friday is really great about this. I think the entire conceit of Black Friday and Cyber Monday is based on this time pressure. One of the things I'm really interested to see as we continue to kind of grow digitally and the digital marketplace continues to change is what happens to Cyber Monday, what happens to Black Friday as we continue to expand. Uh, I think so much of the power of those events was that they were on a single day, that the only time you could go and get those deals or you could do that that shopping that way was on one day. Time sensitivity played a huge, huge, huge part in it. Scarcity, right? What happens when it's not scarce? What happens when it's Cyber Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Do you still get the same effect? Maybe you get more because it's longer, but is it the same every day? What does that really look like? And how long can you continue to expand this? I'm not the first person to ask this. I think this question's been being asked for years, but uh, how early is too early to put up your holiday decorations? Well, I think we're going to find out. Our companies are going to tell us when they stop putting up their holiday decorations because it'll stop being profitable. Uh, the longer and the earlier people are putting out those decorations, it has to do with the idea that this is the best season for commerce. Um, and so we want to start getting this marketing material out sooner and sooner and sooner and sooner because this is what communicates to the consumer that it's time to buy. You know, so much of what we do is not big box. You know, we, we've worked with Pepsi in the past, but oftentimes we're working with mom and pop shops. We're working with, with local businesses, things that don't have the resources to, you know, put up a, a Times Square Christmas tree. That being said, I do think there's a lot of value in putting up something holiday related, whether it's in your storefront or on your actual website, just a little like 
a hint at snow on the website. It could be really, really nice. Again, we're just trying to evoke those feelings of the holiday season. Anybody who's been alive in America, uh, probably in the world for the last forever, as, as long as I can remember, certainly, um, is in the habit of using this time of year to go to the mall, to go out, to eat extra, to spend a little bit more, to loosen their wallet a little bit. And so people, you know, there is benefit in communicating that and kind of getting people in that habit as we approach this time of year. The other thing I really wanted to talk about, just because it's something we promised we would keep a going eye on as it continues to change, as it continues to change the industry is, is AI. You know, the big things with AI that have happened over the last several months as we've been doing this podcast would be the release of Bard in the last couple of weeks. Bard's really interesting just because it, um, I think it's one of the first that's a true, true, true competent competitor to ChatGPT. It also is operating in a slightly different way. Uh, it's launching kind of fully integrated. And, and what I've heard is that they're multimodal is what's really been the big change. And what that means is you can input an image and ask a question based on the image, or you can input text and receive uh, an image or even you know audio or video back as well. And so these AI models are learning how to not just interpret and extrapolate from text, but to interpret and, and extrapolate from all types of documents, all types of media or communication methods, and then spit it back out in the same way. How has that really changed You know what we're doing in marketing? Still, I don't know that it has. You're definitely seeing a lot more art out there that's AI generated. I think that the art is kind of the first thing to really change. You can still sometimes tell when there's AI generated art, but it's harder than I think with AI generated text. Um, and it is so much quicker than getting with a graphic designer. Um, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll work with, with an AI model to kind of stimulate our, you know, brainstorm. A uh, brainstorm is really the word I'm looking for. Um, use it to kind of get some ideas going, figure out, okay, this is the look and feel we're thinking. This is the direction we want to head in, or we think we want to head in. Let's get with a graphic designer. Let's get with somebody who has their own creativity and let them kind of put their stamp on it. And if we do that, we've tended to come up with, with really good solutions faster than we would have otherwise. And so that's the big change that we see now. Again, it's, it's about productivity, it's about speed, but it's also about brainstorming. I think the, the speed of brainstorming, the ability to have those, that three hour meeting where you talk about a hex code or a color and try and figure out, is this really the color we want to use for our brand for the next 10 years? I think that's been sped up so much by how these AI models, probably chat GPT can really give you five or six different options and then can iterate on those options very, very quickly. That's the big change that, that I've seen in the last, um, last few months. We'll continue to keep eyes on this. I do think that it's going to be something that continues to disrupt our industry and all industries. So we'll be talking about this and checking in in the podcast pretty regularly, but I want to kind of stay up to date with it as it does change, continue to evolve really. Um, all right. Wanted to go on to our, our big topic. So the big topic for this week, as I mentioned at the top, is keywords. We really want to focus on on how keywords help you attract new business. Um, you know, I described it earlier as the science of the art of reaching your audience. Uh, we are again really focused on on adding data in behind our hunches. Um, intuition is great, but let's support it with with solid data. So that's why you hear the science of the art. There is no perfect magic bullet to reaching your audience with perfect keywords but if you understand your audience if you understand yourself and then you try and marry the two up with some some really hardcore data you know keyword difficulty search volume things like that you can really achieve positive results 
So what do we want to talk about today? Uh, first of all, why do it? Who does it? Um, where do you start? Talk a little bit about some of the analytics that we're going to use or that we use to help make better decisions as we are doing and implementing our, our, our keyword strategy. And then finally, let's get bilingual. What is the power of bilingual marketing and bilingual keywords in your marketing mix as you go forward? So the first things first, let's talk about who does it. Really anybody, anybody with a customer, anybody with a website that they're trying to use to reach their customer. You know, I think that <laughs> that may be a little bit simplistic, but some great, great, great examples would be any business trying to sell anything. Or if you're, say, a, a doctor's office and you want to reach your, your patients, maybe you're a GP, you really want to focus on, you know, physical exam or annual physical may be a great keyword for you. Again, we want to cross compare that against keyword difficulty, but that's a good example of somebody who might need to think about doing some keyword research to better understand how they actually are going to reach their audience. So what are the questions that we want to ask ourselves when we get started and when it's time to, to really begin a, a keyword research and, and an SEO plan in earnest? First of all, what are your services? What do you do? Really understand what do you do? Take some time, rank those services by profitability or by how many people you see. You know, sometimes we have lost leaders, things that get people in the door, but ultimately aren't what we, you know, we want to upsell them, but those can make great starting keywords as well. So really understanding what you do and how what you do affects your your patients is really, really important. And, and I think one of the first steps. The next thing is really think about who you're, your audiences. Who are your customers? Where do your customers live? What services do your customers use? How old are they? What are their interests? You know, what TV shows do they watch? Do they watch sports? If so, what sports? Really understand that. That is a great place to start. And oftentimes what we find when we do that is business owners actually have some misconceptions about who their, their customers are. You know, oftentimes they understand it really, really, really well. But as they dig deeper, they'll find that their customer may be interacting with the internet or interacting with their website a little bit differently than they had initially assumed. So how do we do that? We actually will build customer profiles for you, or you can build a customer profile for yourself. They're really easy to find templates to do this. They're all over the internet, but they'll ask questions like age, demographic, gender, interest, etc. Take some time, fill one of those out so that you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of your, your patients or of your customers as you're kind of moving forward. And then finally, we have to kind of go through one last lens, which is, all right, we know how I talk to my, my customers about my product. I know they come in and they say, you know, hey, John, give me a bag of chips. How do they talk to Google about that? The way people interact with and communicate with, with Google is actually quite a bit different from how they interact with, with people. Um, makes sense, but I think it's worth saying. And so we now need to kind of do a, a final filtering of that communication, of that understanding through how, the, how our, our, our patients talk about us, not to us, not amongst themselves, but to Google. This tends to be a changing in, in phrasing. You don't ask as many you know, full-throated questions. We don't speak in complete sentences. We tend to speak in, in shorter strings, be a little bit more direct when we're communicating with Google. We also tend to ask it things that we know are gonna produce multiple results. We oftentimes, when we're working with Google, we wanna have the option to filter through multiple results. Yes, we like being told, but we like saying, okay, you know, what's the best way to, and then seeing three or four options there. So you'll really want to start thinking of communicating with terms like best, near me, things that are consistent in how consumers are actually communicating when they're searching for stuff. All of that are kind of the, the fir very first steps for like, where do you start? We start by just brainstorming, by writing down our thoughts, by understanding ourselves, understanding our clients, and then understanding really, 
you know, how are they going to communicate then with Google? I think that's the most important bit. But after we've gone through that step, there are, you know, I've been watching um, some masterclass on cooking, what we'll call tools of refinement that help us get a little bit closer to, to where we want to be. So this next step, I'm going to call it, let's get analytical, but this is where we really do our keyword research. A great place to start with keyword research is go find your competitors, write down a list of all the different competitors or people who inspired you to get into the space or people who you think are marketing really well on the internet. And there are a ton of tools on the internet. We use one called SpyFu that are going to allow you to actually analyze their website and SpyFu for for example, will tell you what terms one of your competitors is ranking for, how many clicks they're getting for those terms, and basically how well their SEO efforts are, how well the keywords that company has chosen are doing for them. That is a great starting place. I, I you know, it. We don't want to advocate for just copying your competitors, but we also don't need to reinvent the wheel here. I think it makes a lot of sense to get your starting point from somebody who's already doing things really well. Now, cross compare that against what you thought, what some of your assumptions were, some of your understanding of your own patients. You know, your demographic may be very different from the demographic that you your competitor is targeting. So it's worth to know that, um, worth it to know that, I should say. And then actually say, all right, this keyword, for example, maybe the keyword is, you know, physical exam near me. I'll go back to that. We see that this keyword has great volume. There are a ton of people searching for this term, but there's also a lot of people trying to rank for this term. It's a very, very difficult keyword to rank for. It's going to take me a long time to beat uh, people throughout the nation or near me who are using the same term. So physical exam near me, I like, but maybe I want to put it as a second or a third order keyword that I'm going to work on over the long haul, but not something that I'm going to go after aggressively today. But we can do the same thing. Maybe we look for physical examination. I know that seems like a small change, but it's a, it can be a big change to Google. And maybe physical examination has a slightly lower keyword you know, search volume, but actually is much easier to rank for on Google. So maybe we start writing physical examination. Maybe we focus on physical examination as a term. We want to kind of go through that same process for most of the services we offer. We may also think about other ways that people find us. So sometimes it's a service. Sometimes it's, you know, let's say you're in the food industry. This may seem opaque, but you might want to rank for the term. I'm hungry. What do I do? Most people know what to do when they're hungry. That's very true. But you may want to like, you want to think further back than just at the decision point. We do sometimes want to raise awareness. So if you are say, uh, you know, near me, there are a lot of fusion restaurants, you may really want to go deep into describing, you know, what is fusion? What is South American Asian fusion? Because that way, if somebody, you know, doesn't want to try that service, doesn't want to try that food right now, they can come find out what it is from you. And then they might be more likely to come and actually try that food from you because you are the one who helped educate them. So we aren't just thinking about keywords that are getting people to buy from you right now. We also want to think about keywords that help people find you, help people learn more about you and where they might buy from you in the future. So thinking about all the different types of keywords, I say, and I like to start with a, a, a kind of a short list of 10 and a long list of 20 to 25 and really focus on those first 10 um, in the first six months to 12 months, and then kind of work in the other 15 as we keep going with a hardcore focus on those first 10. Again, I can't tell you exactly what 10 keywords to use, but I strongly suggest starting with your intuition, starting with your kind of empathetic understanding of your own business and your own patients and your own clients, comparing that to the data and then coming out with a set that you really like and a plan to move forward. 
then finally, you know, not finally, I have one more I want to talk about. But now that we've kind of gone through, we understand our patient. We know that we're somebody who needs to do this keyword research. We know where our client lives. We know how our clients like to search for us. We know where to start. Now we also know what analytics to run. We know we want to use SpyFu to do those analytics. How do we actually go about acting on this keyword research? What is the next step? Well, I think we've talked a little bit about content writing in the past, but the answer is content writing. We will absolutely have other explainers on how to write content really well, on how to write SEO ready content and what that looks like. But how do we act on all of this? The simplest answer is to write. Start writing articles that are related to your keyword research. So again, that, that list of 10 that we came up with, let's start writing articles about it. So maybe, you know, we'll, we'll go back to physical examination. Physical examination was our top keyword for a general practitioner who wants to get new patients in the doors today. First thing we might do is write an article, why do we need a physical examination? Why do we need an annual physical examination? And explain what the benefits are, you know? Preventative healthcare is as valuable, if not more valuable than, you know, reactive healthcare. You might explain all of the different treatments or things that you might be able to find. Be careful to use the word physical examination a couple of times. You'd be careful probably to use your own name. Definitely use the area that you're in when writing this content because that helps for those near me searches as well but you'll write content to that. You then might say, all right, last month I published a post or an article on physical examinations and why physical examinations are important. This month, and it, again, this may sound silly, but I might write an article on the top five or the top 10 reasons to get a physical examination. And as I do this, as I start, start writing content about physical examinations, about how easy it is to get a physical examination with me, about where I am, you know, how, how much I love giving physical examinations, Google will see this. Um, and I do say Google because it still is really the only search engine that matters. Google will see this and it will start promoting your website and pushing your website up search rankings until eventually one day you'll be number one for that term. You know, obviously with SEO, there are things that go on behind the scenes, but assuming that's happened, assuming you have that foundation and you move forward with this keyword writing, you're going to be in really good shape and it is going to allow you to, you know, increase business coming to you, increase traffic to your website, and then hopefully increase traffic through your doors um, and increase sales, quite frankly, because you've gone ahead, you've done the homework, you've done the research to understand what your keywords are, and now we're actually gonna write on those keywords. Finally, the last thing I kind of want to talk about on, on this subject is, is let's get bilingual. We are a bilingual firm. This is something we're really passionate about. We, we talk about it all the time. Everybody who's listened to this pod has heard me say transmission. Um, that is because we are a, a bilingual marketing agency. Why do it? Well, the simplest reason is that, you know, the world is expanding. There are patients or, or clients that can be found all over the world. It is easier to access people in Texas from New York than it ever has been. On top of that, pick any any city, really anywhere in America that I know of, and you will almost certainly find someone that's multicultural. Multiculturalism is really part of the, the tapestry of America at this point. Um, and so if you're going to market, I think that it's really, really, really important to try and include all of your possible audience. It just makes sense. You know, it, it really does let's not communicate to a small, small, small piece of the people who might come and visit us. Let's try and communicate to everybody. Why would we intentionally exclude people who are going to come and, you know, possibly spend money on our services, right? However, kind of taking it beyond that kind of simple, let's just make sure that we're marketing to everybody idea is the idea that not a lot of people are doing this right now. There are a lot of bilingual speakers or, you know, 
people who natively speak Spanish or another language in, in the States who just simply are not being marketed to. People aren't thinking about their culture. People are not thinking about their language and how it's being spoken and how they're communicating amongst themselves. And so there's opportunity there. You can go and do keyword research for yourself. Say, take everything I did, translate all of those 10 keywords into Spanish. If you have somebody who, who knows the culture well and can help you, great. If not, Try ChatGPT. I don't recommend that forever, but it's a, a place to start. Translate those keywords and go do that same keyword research in Spanish. And I think you'll be amazed at what you find in terms of the, the decrease in keyword difficulty, but the consistency of search volume. Regularly, we see the same search volume for Spanish language terms as English language terms, but a, a, a much, much, much lower keyword difficulty, which really does allow you to go in and, and maybe get an advantage, maybe get those keywords that are, are in Spanish from first or earlier than some of the ones that you're, you're doing in English. And on top of that, we do get a great first movers advantage. I talk about this all the time. Put simply, uh, there are demographics in the country that are really tight knit and really communicate amongst themselves and to each other. If we can tap into those, if we can build up brand equity in those markets, we're going to really amplify our message amongst that community because people are going to be talking about how we were doing it. We were communicating to them. We were marketing to them when nobody else was. And that's really, really, really powerful. So I have to suggest bilingual marketing as well, bilingual SEO as well. Again, lots of ways to do this. And, and there are certainly firms out there that can help you this. And we would absolutely love to help you with that as well. Wrapping up on keyword research, we talked about who does it, where do you start? What are the analytics that we can use? How do we proceed and how do we do this bilingually? My top line takeaway from this is understand yourself, understand your audience and understand Google. Um, how do, what are those three things? Write down your services, write down who you are, write down your personality, write down the personality of your, your clients, of your customers, and then compare that information to keyword research on Google. Um, again, we can use SpyFu for that. And then finally, let's act on that, whether we're writing in English, whether we're writing in Spanish, we just need to start doing it. Um, you can put great plans in place. You know, I've seen people actually pre-write all of their content for the year and then just publish it on a schedule throughout the year. However you wanna do that, but do the work write the content or get an agency to write that content for you. And I think you'll really be pleased with the results that you see as you start down a consistent path with, you know, a clear keyword research and a clear strategy in place, you will start getting busier. You will start you know, making more money and seeing the results of these efforts. Always, we want to wrap up. We do a little talk of, you know, the pop culture we're engaging with this year. It is the holidays. I, I really think that it's hard to avoid anything other than, you know, new holiday movies, etc. But I'll kind of share a, a little quirk from, from me, from my life. My wife and I, we were decorating for the holidays. We are in a, a temporary house right now. It's a little bit smaller than usual. And so we're not doing the full decoration that we would typically do. We got down the, the decorations this year to do them and we found, um, I, I need to back up a little bit, a couple of, about six months ago, we went and my wife's grandparents um, have a place out in New Mexico and they have a lot of um, you know old shed stuff, just really, really cool antiques that nobody looked at, nobody'd seen in a long time. We went there again six months ago and kind of, oh, gosh, I hate putting it this way, but took our little haul of antiques that we wanted to hold on to. And, and one of those happened to be this really cool old, wooden coca-cola bench it's pretty small it's like for stuffed animals it's it's kind of hard to describe but it's coca-cola iconography uh i don't really know how but in our christmas decorations that coca-cola bench got wrapped in and is actually the centerpiece 
of our holiday decorations. I it works perfectly. It fits. It makes sense visually. It even makes sense with you know how kind of closely wrapped in Coca-Cola has become with the holidays. But I still thought that was crazy that you know we were going to basically put in our home a brand, a brand's image as part of our holiday decorating. But we like it and it makes sense and it looks good. And I think just to bring this full circle, that speaks so much to the nostalgia and the power of nostalgia marketing that companies like Coca-Cola have really tapped into this time of year where you know, I, I've told people about this and they just say Coca-Cola is the holidays. Like that really is. I mean, the Coca-Cola polar bear is about as classic and iconic as it comes. Um, and so it's just a really interesting kind of trick of the year, trick of the season where suddenly these brands, these corporations become part of the holiday spirit and part of the celebration. And that I, that's kind of the holy grail. But it's also um, just a surprise for me when we see that happen wanted to just wrap up. It has been an absolute pleasure uh, launching this podcast and hopefully sharing some great tips for for how to market better online mm -hmm. and how to reach your audience, you know, really focusing on how to reach your audience, how to reach different and new audiences as well. So happy holidays to everybody. This has been Graham and, and not Juan Pablo. Uh, happy holidays to Juan Pablo and, and his growing family as well. But um, please like, subscribe on, on Apple or Spotify. You can find us on social media. Visit the website alphacomarketing.com. End transmission.